Hello everyone and welcome to uh, this week's podcast uh, from Avila Presbyterian Church. You're all very welcome as we take this time together uh, to worship God in Jesus' name. Over these last weeks we've been asking the question, what is the church? And uh, through this episode we're going to look at the mission of the church of Jesus Christ. As we think of this, I want to read these words from Psalm 19 as we begin. Psalm 19 tells us, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Here we recognise a God who is all-powerful, a God who we come to know through his word, and we recognise the joy it is in knowing those everlasting promises found in his Son, the Lord Jesus. Let us come before him now in prayer. Heavenly Father, we recognise that as we take time in your word, we may know your everlasting promises. We may know that joy of you directing and guiding us in life. And Lord, as we take this time together, we pray for that awareness of your love to each one of us. For Lord, we lift up our lives before you, asking that you may direct and guide us in all that we may do, that we may know that joy of you, the everlasting God, speaking to us through your word. Lord, we pray this time that we may know of your spirit guiding and directing us in all that we may do. And we ask these things now. In Jesus' loving name, Amen. Before we come to our reading, we're going to listen to our item of praise, He Will Hold Me Fast. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. Sight. He will hold me fast 
Please turn with me uh, to our scripture reading this evening. As I said a little later, we're going to be thinking about the mission of the church. And we're going to read these very familiar words. Uh, the last, uh, I've got down there, sorry, 19 to 20, but we're going to start in verse 18 in Matthew 28. Three verses at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. This is the Word of God. Then Jesus came to them, the disciples, and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And here we end the reading of God's word to us this evening. Well, please uh, turn with me uh, to our scripture reading this evening taken from Matthew 28. As we think of this uh, last question that we're thinking about church in this little series, what is the mission of the church? As we do that, let's come to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come together this evening. We have that joy of being able to meet with you. As we come into your word, we pray for that awareness of you speaking to us in all that we may do, that we may know of your glory and power as we recognize your word is for us, for our lives, for this world. And we pray that we may know of you directing and guiding us in all that we may do. In Jesus' loving name, 
Amen. A couple of months ago, I became aware of an instrument that the welcome team was using. And at first, I was getting very worried about it. Um, This appeared on the porch. And I was just, I was worried what the welcome team were up to. I was thinking, what on earth are you doing with this thing? Then I realized that some of our welcome team members aren't just tall enough to get the, the little uh, catch, so they needed something to make themselves a little bit taller to pull it down. Once you know the purpose, it all becomes a little bit more clear, isn't that right? And as we think, as we come to the question uh, about what is the mission of the church, we have that picture of the purpose of why God created the church, why we are here. And there are many important things that the church can do, many important things. The list is endless, but there's only a few things they must do. The Great Commission is one of them that we read earlier in Matthew 28. Words that I know are familiar with many here in this place. It serves really as that mission statement of, for the church, the purpose of why we're here. It captures what Jesus uh, wants his church to be doing until he returns. To unpack the commission, we want to consider this evening three things that we have. The first is that through uh, this uh, message that Jesus gives his disciples, is his authority. As Jesus gives his final command to his disciples, he declared that all authority on heaven and earth has been entrusted to him. That was a radical claim and must not be breezed over. The gospel explains that Jesus is the everlasting Son of God who left heaven to rescue us He is God, yet he became man. As first John puts it, the word became flesh to dwell among us. And just the the words that I have up on the screen, Jesus lived a life free from sin. He always pleased God the Father and proclaimed the good news of God's kingdom. He called people to repent of their sins and trust in him. And he performed miracles to prove that he had authority to forgive people's sins. He was the Son of God who came into this world. But rather than being embraced as Lord, Jesus was betrayed, arrested, mocked, beaten, and tortured to death on a cross. And after three days in the grave, God rolled back the stone to display that Jesus had risen from the dead. Jesus was alive. The victorious Son of God had defeated sin's curse of death. And in following his resurrection, Jesus appeared to hundreds of people. And when he declared to his disciple, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, He was ultimately claiming that ultimate sovereignty over the world. 
Many of his hearers would have recognized how this startling claims would have echoed back into the Old Testament. In particular, a passage in Daniel chapter 7. Daniel's prophecy in which there's a heavenly courtroom assembled for the day of judgment. You can read about it in Daniel chapter 7, but let me read just some verses from 13 and 14. In my vision, Daniel said at night, I looked, and there before me was one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. (coughs) This is a picture that reminds us that a day is coming when all people will be judged according to what they have done. And on that day, there will be no more chances to repent. Those who have been forgiven by faith in Jesus will receive into his everlasting joy. But those who have not will be cast into his presence into everlasting torment. When Jesus says all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him, he is claiming to be the king of kings, lord of lords, who will judge every person who ever lived. And this, firstly, as we recognize Jesus' authority in this passage, is the sobering reality that lies before the church. Jesus demands that his church go into the world and call people to repent in preparation for the day of judgment. Because heaven and hell are real, the church must fulfill their calling with urgency and intentionality. This is the banner that hangs over everything to which the church gives its time, energy, and resources. But there's also, as we've said, a command in this passage also from Jesus. With the day of judgment in view, Jesus commands his disciples to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. A disciple is someone who has left everything to follow Jesus. And Jesus says that uh, as they await his return, his disciples are to make more disciples. Jesus calls his discipleship. Uh, Jesus has a call to his discipleship to take up their cross just like he did. And the daily lives of Jesus' disciples are to be marked by obedient submission to him and dependence upon his grace until the day he returns for them. The church, it is responsible to proclaim and trust and to pass on the gospel to others who will do the same. In short, the mission Jesus gives his church was to be disciples who make disciples, who in turn make other disciples. And as you look at this great commission, it has two primary applications, one among believer, unbelievers and the other among believers. 
The work uh, among unbelievers is called evangelism, while the work among other believers is called discipling. The church evangelizes unbelievers by calling them to repent for their sin and to believe in Jesus. Evangelism is that first step in disciple-making process to proclaim the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection to people who God has placed in our lives. We call on believers to turn from their sin and to believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior. We call them not simply to make a decision about Jesus, but to follow and to trust, trust him with their lives. But also, the other primary application is uh, to help believers faithfully follow Jesus. Once someone becomes a believer, the work of being a disciple has only just begun. God is working to confront us to the or confirm us to the image of Jesus. And while God uses everything in our lives to mature us, a central part of his work is done in and through the local church. And the way churches aim to accomplish this great commission will vary from church to church. But in general, there should be that regular rhythm in which local churches gather together to build up believers and scatter them abroad and to evangelize the world. There's certainly an overlap in this work, but each part focuses on the mission of making disciples. But believers aren't the only people present when the church gathers. We know this, don't we? Every Sunday as we gather as a church or every time you meet as a group of believers, very often non-Christians will gather with the church also. Many non-believers know they don't believe while others maybe are self-deceived. But either way, God uses the truth from his word and the love of his people to convict them of the truth. We are to go into the world to make disciples and to continue to focus people in following him. A world uh, that rebels against its creator. A world that has many other ideas about what they want to worship. An ambassador is an official representative of a country's government in a foreign land. And Jesus is the authoritative king of heaven who has commissioned his disciples as his ambassadors. And when a church gathers, it does so as a community in his authority, calling people to be reconciled to God. So we come to bring Jesus' name to a world that is lost. But there's another question to be answered here in this great commission too. What is the church's role in blessing the community around them? For we see many things that we can get uh, to be involved in, many things that would be worthy of our time. And many churches today see the mission of the church as being a blessing to the community in which they live. They show Christ's love by feeding the hungry, clothing the poor, caring for orphans and widows, 
and many other things that's commanded in the Bible to do. It is right to say that Christian churches must serve their communities by working for justice and helping the needy. But that's not uh, to take away from the primary role of proclaiming God's word to a lost world. What it means is that the members of the church family are active in laboring for justice and putting the love of Christ on display and wherever God's placed them. We ultimately uh, uh, cannot transform this world, but we must distinctly put the light of God's truth and grace on display as we seek to make disciples among the nations. When the world looks at us, it sees something different. It sees something that will not continue in a similar pattern of rebellion and worship of self. But a self, uh, it is not self-giving, but self-sacrifice. One that will look out for others to bless the world in which God has placed us. And finally, as we think of the words of this Great Commission, we also see Jesus' promise. These final words, we find one of the sweetest promises in all of Scripture. Surely I am with you, always, to the very end of the age. Jesus assures us that he will not abandon us in the midst of mission. It means when we prayerfully invite our neighbor or co-worker for dinner to share the gospel with them, Jesus is with us. When we speak to our parents or tell our friends or family about Jesus, we can do it knowing that Jesus is with us. When we talk to people at our job about repenting from sin and trusting in Jesus, he is also with us. When we suffer, when we are weary, when we're fearful or we're persecuted, Jesus is with us. When we walk among wolves, their growls must not deter us. For God, for God is our good shepherd and he is with us. He is our strength, our wisdom, and the one who empowers us to keep pressing on. These words that I have up on the screen from Hebrews chapter 13. God says, Neither, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? They may persecute us, but if Christ is with us, the worst thing they can do is kill us and send us to eternal glory to be with the one our heart longs to see. There is nothing that this world uh, can do to us in the name of Jesus. His promises are full and will never be taken away from us. God rescues us from our sin to know him, but also to help others come to know him. That is our purpose as a church. And as we go into the world to proclaim his gospel, 
We go knowing that he is with us and will provide everything we need to do. He has called us to be his disciples, to proclaim this wonderful message. And yes, it is difficult and it's hard work, but we also recognize that wonderful promise that he is with us through all that we may do. And this is what we can rest on as a body of his people in the name of Jesus. Let us come to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks as we come together this evening, recognizing your mercy and glory and what it means to trust in you. And Lord, as we think of these words of the Great Commission and what it means, Lord, to be your church, we pray, Lord, for that awareness of your authority the command that you give us and the wonderful promise that we have in you that as we go out into this world to proclaim your name, you're right alongside us. You're looking uh, to direct and guide us in all that we may do. Lord, we give you thanks for this and we pray for that awareness to continue to keep focusing on Jesus our loving Saviour and Lord, in all that we may do. And we ask these things now in Jesus' loving name. Amen.
last item of praise entitled Come People of the Risen King. As we think about the mission of the Church of Jesus Christ, we recognise that we come together in Jesus' name, the risen Saviour who guides and directs us. Well, as we come to the end of our podcast, we want to take some time now in prayer for others, continuing to remember our world through these days, remembering our community, and also for those who are close to us in life, we want to lift them up to God in prayer. Let us come to our Heavenly Father in prayer for others. Heavenly Father, we lift up before you this day, our world at this time in great need. We pray for our leaders that they may know of your hand upon them and all that they may do. In times of great uncertainty, we look to you, the one who is constant, the one who is able through all that we may face in life. And Lord, we want to lift up before you those, Lord, who are dealing uh, with conflict in our world at this time. Those, Lord, who have experienced great uncertainty in all uh, that they may face. Help them, Lord, know of your loving hand upon them, directing and guiding them in all that they may do. Help them know, Lord, of you directing and guiding them. Lord, we want to lift up our own community before you. Recognising many, Lord, who are dealing with the cost of living at this time. Many, Lord, who face great uncertainty. We ask, Lord, that they may know of your hand upon them and all that they may do. That they may have that awareness, Lord, of your uh, peace and your comfort in the name of Jesus. And Lord, as we think about what you call us to do through these days, Lord, we ask for that awareness, Lord, of what it means to proclaim your name, to show others, Lord, what it means to have the beauty of the gospel working in their lives, that they may have that awareness of the Holy Spirit moving in their lives, and that they may see the joy it is to put their trust in Jesus, to seek and to follow him in all they may do. Lord, we want to lift up uh, to you those who we know in our lives who are not following you. Those, Lord, who we've looked to talk to about you, who, Lord, are aware of what it means, uh, Lord, to uh, take that step in trusting you they find in their lives things that are holding them back. Lord, help them see the fertility of those things. Help them, Lord, recognise what it means to trust in you. Lord, we lift up before you those who feel that they have made that decision, that they do not want to trust you, that they want to live life in their own terms. And Lord, we ask, that, they, that you may draw them close again to you to seek and to follow you in all they do. And Lord, we pray uh, for that awareness, Lord, of what it means to stay close to you 
Even, Lord, when life seems to get out of control, when we have many things happening in our lives, we ask for that awareness, Lord, of your presence and your love with us in all that we may do. We pray for those dealing with difficulties and hardship at this time. We pray, Lord, for those who continue uh, to face uncertainty in these days. We ask, Lord, that they may be so aware of your love, your comfort, and your peace towards them. Lord, we bring all these things before you now in the gracious and the loving name of Jesus. We ask that now in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening, everyone. May you know God's peace working in your life through this week. And let us close with those words of benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen.